Welcome to the podcast. Uh, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, the beautiful metropolis that we live in. This is the Word on the Hill. And I am not a metropolitan. No, nor a metrosexual. No, neither of those two things. Neither of those things. But I am a pastor of a college campus, and my name is Father Peter Musson. And my name is Scott Powell. I'm a theologian, sort of. Yeah, I mean, if you asked somebody in the Eastern Church, they would say, "Dude, you're whacked," because there's only like like two people named theologian or something. Yeah, right? I'm not asking people in the Eastern Church. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless you, you're listening from the Eastern Church, if you're listening case. from the Eastern Church, he is not technically designated as a theologian or a confessor. N- Why? Well, what does it mean to be technically designated as a theologian? I don't know. Isn't there some sort of like? Because I've got a document from the Archdiocese that says I'm mandated to teach theology, which. In institutions of higher learning. I was actually looking at that on your desk, and I was like, dude, that's baller. (laughs) Like, you showed up, man. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, man. Well, and we are the word on the hill. No, we're not the word on the hill. No, we're not. This is the word on the hill. We're the the lanky guys. We are the lanky guys. And, uh, dude, I've I've been trying to work on the lank because I um, (laughs) am, dude, I've been chalking on campus um, we're, we're like we have an opening of the year mass, of which this is the the, the readings we're preparing are going to be proclaimed before uh, a uh, live audience on. Uh, Fer- well, they're always proclaimed before a live audience, <laughs> technically. Yeah, and because the, he is the Lord of the living and not right. the dead. Right. So even if I was alone, it'd be a live audience. That's true. Okay, so what are we doing on Sunday? We are or, having a, a an open air mass on Farron Field, the place. You where heard they, the thing about the open air mass. N- no. So Brianna, a new uh, a new person we have working on the student center with us, <laughs> who'd never heard that term before, questioned the terminology there, as opposed to all the closed air masses that we do. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I understand what an outdoor mass is, but what does it mean that it's open air? <laughs> Because the closed they, air masses, when we suck out all the oxygen, <laughs> it's a, those are rough. Yeah, th- dude, I'll tell you, man. The last time I was in a closed air mass, it was tricky. Times was hard. Times was hard. And actually, I know a lot of you guys listen. I know you're listening from all over the place. But if you are in Colorado, if you're anywhere anywhere near Boulder, next Sunday or this coming Sunday, the twenty fifth, the twenty fifth, we're having a big uh, open air mass, Farrenfield, the University of Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of campus. It's where they used to have the big marijuana smoke out. Right, we're gonna be there, <laughs> and 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 that's why it's always fun to bring incense because we have oh, to like, yeah. you know, they like smoke on that field. They do, <laughs> and so we bring the holy smoke. We bring it, man. There's a buzz around campus. I'll tell you, everybody's like moving in. And oh, you like, mean right now? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought yeah. you meant on that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This is the holy buzz that I'm, yes. I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes, all the better. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. Good. There is a buzz. People are moving in right now as we speak. It's a. It, this is crazy. So we're lucky we even get a podcast this week because things are crazy down, up in our neck of the woods. I know. What t- thankfully today is like is like it's like quiet, a little bit quiet. Hey, could you guys hear me last week when I was like saying quiet things? I'm sure you can't. <laughs> But luckily you had me saying, I'm sure they can't hear you. So they knew that there was something they couldn't hear. Oh, there we go. Well, man, I am, I, I, I'm like jazzed though. I have to, I have to say that like preaching in the middle of like five college dormitories with a big microphone and it like echoes off the buildings. There's some intimidation in that. Super intimidating. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, repent, 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 repent. <laughs> you will burn, burn, burn. Yourself with the lighter, lighter, lighter. If you try to smoke, 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 smoke. Cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's it's it's always intimidating. It's because this is the thing though is you can't go into like a bunch of moralisms. No, because then everybody's like, dude, this is the same old hunky hunky dory. This is the same old hunky priest I haven't ever heard. It's true. It's funny. I mean, we um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> What's funny again? <laughs> Man, that computer is consuming you. What are I'm you trying doing to find our shout-outs for this week. Oh my gosh, I have I haven't even shouted out I know. to anybody, dude. I, let's see if I've even made a note for anybody. Oh, I was just gonna say it's it's just so funny when we do this outside mass. You know, we have the huge sound system. There's tons. There's hundreds of people gathered in Fair and Field. So I mean, everybody hears what we're doing. So you got this mix because there's this guy. There's probably groups of guys, people who stand uh, right in the middle of CU's campus near the UMC building, and they're always spouting things, and they're always yelling at people for their sinfulness and everything else, which is valid. There's a lot of sinfulness, but they're not winning anybody's hearts. So it's it's just a hard thing to be smack in the center of campus and convince people we're not actually them. We're not doing that. We're actually proclaiming the gospel with joy and in truth. And it can be a really beautiful thing, but it's definitely scary. I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. Well, dude, I have blisters, so it, my friend, my shoes get for nice. all that chalking. Very good. Um, but, dude, I th- there's a couple of the new focus missionaries that are with us. Yeah, and um, they're awesome. Dude, those guys are awesome, and they are like literally, they're just like so easy to relate to. They, they like one of them, Calvin, Calvin Mueller. I just like <laughs> saying Mueller. I, Mueller. Like, I wanted to. See. You got to put an umlaut. It's on there. Exactly. You know language. That was exactly what I was gonna say. I know. We're like we're like one mind. We are now. one mind today. We, we are, are one, one body. Mind. No, we're not one body. One body in Christ. And we do not, not stand, stand alone. alone. We just had the twentieth anniversary of World Youth Day in nineteen ninety three in Denver. Yeah. Shout out to World Youth Day. This <laughs> this is for JP two. What what, baby? I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but we did give that shout out last week. Dude, do you know how and many it happened times to be the day of the 20th anniversary that we were recording on? I'm sorry though. Dude, you now know, I feel like a jerk. Do you know how many times you repeat th- repeat things? A lot. A lot. I, thank you. No, actually, I don't. That's why I repeat them because I don't have any memory of actually repeating them. <laughs> so no, the answer to your question is no. Don't you don't know how many times you repeat things. I don't. In one talk that you gave the other day, you repeated something. What on and, Monday? Yeah. What? What did I repeat? I don't even something remember. profound. No. And beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> all right what are what are our shout outs dude i have nothing you've got nothing i'm dude my shout out is to like the chancellor at cu what what phil de stefano do you yeah. think phil de stefano listens to us no but he, he could <laughs> and someday he's gonna listen to this and he's gonna be like dude i got a shout out and i didn't even know yeah hashtag phil de stefano put, put it out there uh well i have a shout out for todd loomis did you read this we got a message from todd loomis on the facebook site and he um uh, he's in. He lives in Tampa, but he grew up in in Hamburg, New York. Hamburg. Oh, in, no, he didn't live. He grew up in Hamburg. Yeah, he grew up in Hamburg, and so he was very um, in, interested when you give the shout out to Father Baker's. And he pointed out that Father Baker's used to be the uh, the threat his parents used. That it was a home for boys, <laughs> and his parents would always use it as a threat. Shape up, or we'll send you to Father Baker's. <laughs> Dude, that's which awesome. I thought was really funny. Dude, I wish we could have a church like Father Baker's and a and a boys' home and stuff. That would be awesome. Yeah, but we can't. So, well, I mean, wait, we we can, I guess. I mean, sure. Yeah. Well, we should hop do it. Do you have any shout-outs? Anybody you just want to say hi to? 
Um, let's see. I, I want to say hi to um, Bob. Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Marie. I love you. She gave me a, an emergency delivery of T-shirts, of which we made some shirts that says Party with the Pope. Your mom makes a mean T-shirt. She made Can't Boy T-shirts this year, too. Yeah, well, she didn't make the t-shirts. She just well, delivered no. the shirts this year to me. But she did make oh. a mean t-shirt when it came to Camp Boitiwa. Yeah. She's a mean t-shirt maker. Dude, let's All do right. this. Let's do it. So our readings were in the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time. 21. We are uh, looking at our first reading from Isaiah, chapter 66. Isaiah 66. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> for that. Respon- uh, the responsorial psalm, Psalm 117, which did you know this is the shortest of all the psalms in the Psalter? Psalm 117? Psalm 117, shortest one. Dude, you know what? We pray it on Saturday morning prayer in the in the uh, in the bravery, and I love it. I'm always like, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I feel like you gave me a gift. Thank you, Holy Mother the shortest Church. One? Yeah, because it's like Saturday morning, <laughs> and you just like don't want to, you know, I want to be a Saturday dad. With the uh, the high black socks with your plaid shorts. Dude, straight up. That's what I think of when I think of Saturday dad. Yep. All right, so Psalm 117, Hebrews chapter 12. 5 through 7, 11 through 13. Hey, how does Moses make his copy? Dude, you know what? He likes French press, I hear. That's not true. All right. I know I repeated that. And the gospel is coming from Luke chapter 13, verse 22 through 30. 30. So there you have it. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. Um, See you next week. <laughs> not at all. No, no. We've got stuff to say, man. Dude, Isaiah. Isaiah's tricky. I mean, I know a dude named Isaiah, and I, do. I really like him. Who is he? Do I know him? Um, he, he's, know any Isaiahs. he's actually engaged to a girl named Rachel. Okay. Isaiah and Rachel, they are my Jewish friends. Nice. And they- uh, I have a Jewish brother. Uh, you do. In-law. <clears throat> and they invite me to the coolest concerts ever. And so what they do anymore is that they um they literally like, hey, what are you doing on the 21st? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, want to go see a show? And I'm like, sure. And I never ask. I don't even look it up because it's so much more fun to go to a concert. Do you, they have good taste? They have they have really good taste. Nice. So there you go. Yeah. So I went and saw the Foles with them last time. The Foles? Yeah. Is that a band or is it a bunch of young horses <laughs> <laughs> that play musical instruments? Bl- <laughs> under I would go see that. I would see that I too. I would see man. that concert for sure. Yep. Thus says cool. the Lord. He knows our thoughts. Yeah. So Psalm sixty-six. This is the last chapter of the this book. This isn't the Psalm. What? What did I say? You said Psalm sixty-six. Oh, Isaiah sixty-six. Isaiah sixty-six. Uh, everybody knew what I meant. Okay. I'm sorry, everybody. Our listeners are smarter than that. Yes, they are. So Isaiah chapter sixty-six, the last chapter in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is. So I've spent a lot of the morning trying to study up, just remember my studies on Isaiah. Isaiah is a weird book, man. It is a confusing book. It's a difficult book. Oh well, yeah. I mean, and 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 I always heard that there was kind of a theory that there's three. There's basically three parts. You have the yeah. the the. Primo Isaiah, Deutero Isaiah, and Tripartite Isaiah. <laughs> Proto Isaiah is the Pro- first one, by the way. Oh, thanks. And Trito Isaiah is the third. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so th- there are definitely three parts to the book. There is uh, a theory that there's three different authors to the book. Oh. Um, which I was having a very interesting uh, conversation with Father Brady about this morning. I don't know. I'm, I'm really skeptical of that theory. Um, is it possible that there's later editors and people who place things together? Maybe. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know. The jury's out for me. I'm, I'm skeptical of the three different Isaiah authors, mainly because nobody ever dreamed that there were different authors to the book of Isaiah until the 18 or 1700s, mm. which tells me that for almost 3,000 years, people trusted that Isaiah wrote Isaiah. But 
I don't know. I don't want to hang my hat on that. But here's what's interesting about the book. And this is actually maybe an argument for, for that there was just one Isaiah. Isaiah, part of the problem with the book, Isaiah bounces around a lot in his visions about he goes from kind of the present tense and where Israel is in the state that he's writing. So he's he's a contemporary of Jeremiah. He's writing just before the time of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the one who lived through the fall and the destruction of Jerusalem. So Isaiah was living just before him. And Isaiah foretells and predicts and prophesies about all the things that Jeremiah ends up actually witnessing and living through. And so I think part of the problem, Jeremiah or Isaiah makes some very specific prophecies about what's going to happen. And there was a whole school. Have you heard of demythologizing? This is the theological school of thought of people who would read through the yeah, Bible. Yeah, and, I've heard it. Yeah, you know demythology. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's why, in general, when I see the book of Isaiah, I just say, Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. Isaiah like, is Isaiah. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm always going to approach something as a whole and look, right. and if there's, a, if there's structural elements and shifts in language sure. and tone, then, okay, then something happened to express right. that. This right. is an expression of something whole. And demythologizing is just like saying, like, this isn't really anything that should be taken seriously. Is well, that right? Yeah, demythologizing is basically the idea that if there's anything that seems supernatural or, you know, so for example, if oh, Isaiah he, is prophesying very specifically about something that just hasn't happened yet, yeah. there's no way he could have actually known that. Oh, Therefore, yeah. someone must have gone in later on and, and put words in his mouth yeah. or redacted. We, People say the same thing about the Gospels. Jesus couldn't have possibly predicted all these things that would happen in the Jewish-Roman War 40 years from then. So somebody yeah. went back in and put words in Jesus' mouth. That's the idea. Uh, well, the, the, you know what the first part of the word of demythologize is? D. Man. Demon. <laughs> Demon. Somebody just got really scared in their heart. I'm sorry for the, I'm sorry for the, like, the death metal voice. I'm sorry if it was you, Avery. Avery, we're going to upload this tomorrow morning for you, just so it'll be ready for you when you don't have your coffee. Dude, this is what we're gonna we're gonna call it. We're not gonna be uploading. It's gonna be up loving. Up loving. All right, we got it. We got to get to business here. Come on, we're just. I'm in. I'm here. in business. No, it's me. It's me. It's my fault. All right. So I say, uh, <laughs> no, no, we haven't been talking about content, haven't we? We yes. haven't just been shooting the shooting the trash. Um, Isaiah sixty six though. So here's part of the argument. Sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's okay. Part of the it's not an argument, but one of the things that it leads to what Father Peter said. You know, reading the whole thing as a whole. The very last chapter of Isaiah 66 is actually very similar to the first chapter. So in the first chapter of Isaiah, you have this scene of basically what you could call a righteous remnant. So you get this scene of people who are, are, are basically Isaiah seeing this vision and people are talking about what's happening after Jerusalem is destroyed sometime in, in the future for Isaiah. And we know it is destroyed because it was punishment, because they were unfaithful to the law and they did all these things. But after this destruction, a lot of Isaiah is about the destruction of Jerusalem. We've talked about Isaiah a little bit. There's two basic parts to it. There's the yep. good news and there's the bad news. Yep. Or rather, there's the bad news and there's the good news. Yep. One, chapters 1 through 39 is all destruction is coming. It's going to be bad. There's going to be punishment. And then we and see then, John the Baptist who his voice crying out in the wilderness. Exactly. And the 40 through 66 is the good news. This is where we get the word gospel or evangelion, right? shouting out from the rooftops. Um, but in the very beginning, there's this remnant that's talking about how they've, they've, they're they still there. They're faithful, and God's going to build them back up. That same remnant sort of shows back up in Isaiah 66. But now it's just not it's not just a remnant, a group of people who've survived the, the terrors of the fall of Jerusalem. Now it's all of these different nations who are being gathered together. So listen to what it says in Isaiah 66. 
It says, Thus says the Lord, I know their works and their thoughts, and I come to gather nations of every tongue. They shall come to see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and from then I will send fugitives to the nations, to Tarshish, to Put, to Lud, to Mosach, to Tubal, to Javan, to the distant, to the distant coastlands. They have never heard my fame or seen my glory. They shall proclaim my glory among the nations. By the way, I think this is really cool that this is what's going to be proclaimed in the middle of the 30,000 students at CU Boulder this Sunday about the name of God. And actually, so what it actually says in the New American Bible translation that we get here, um, it says, I, uh, where does it say? They have never heard of my fame or seen my glory. In Hebrew, it actually says they have never heard of my Shem, my name, or seen my glory. I don't know why it's translated as fame in the New American Bible, but it's the name of God that's being proclaimed. It's it's because he's living forever fame i'm gonna live forever <laughs> oh my gosh dude we that was totally wow wow man that was the, go team link uh, dude team link okay but here's here's the point so isaiah has basically been talking about this terrible situation that's going to befall them jerusalem will be destroyed but then after all of this after the suffering father peter and i were just having a conversation about the cross and what does that mean the fact that we're all going to suffer well, the point here is, yeah, there is going to be suffering, but after that, there's going to be this glorious setting. There's going to be people from all nations. Actually, all of chapter 66 is interesting. Um, chapter 66 starts off with, a, with a, a critique about liturgical abuses and the people who didn't have real heart. Why, why are they suffering all this? Because they didn't actually love God. They were abused. They were going to the temple. They were offering sacrifices, but their hearts weren't there. Then we had in the next couple of verses of chapter 66, this imagery of Zion, Mount Zion or Jerusalem, giving birth and all the nations then coming to pilgrimage to her. And then you get this interesting scene here about um, all the nations coming. Yeah, but then he says, I'm going to send out fugitives. I'm going to send out messengers to all the nations, to Tarshish, to Put, to Lud, Mosach, Tuban, Javan, to the distant coastlands, all these different places. St. Paul, there's a, there's an understanding that St. Paul later on read this yeah, and understood this was a prophecy about him. Whoa. Because where is this? There's going to be messengers basically starting in Tarshish. Where is Tarshish? Well, that will later be transliterated to Tarsus, where Paul is actually from. So Paul's hometown of Tarsus, he sees himself in this and he says, okay, I'm called to go out to all of these places and Pud and Lut and Mosach and all these places. They're basically North Africa and, and, uh, and other realms in the Middle East and to the distant coastlands. And the understanding of the early church is that Paul read this about himself in a certain sense. So he went out on all these missionary journeys to all these places in North Africa and the Middle East, to Turkey, and to the distant coastlands. It's believed that St. Paul made it as far as Spain to the coast of Spain to spread the gospel. So he read this and he said, okay, this is now happening. The, the yeah. trials have ended. Jerusalem has been destroyed. We've suffered. But now through Jesus Christ, we've been resurrected in a certain sense. And so now it's time to go out and shout this news to the nations. So he took this on. It's kind of a beautiful uh, insight into this. Which is, it's, it's actually really beautiful that, um, you know, <laughs> having been... T- <laughs> 20 years later, JP2 was like one of the heart, the heart of his message that he was trying to bring to Colorado was mm. um, go out into the public, yeah. proclaim this in the squares, proclaim this yes. out in the middle of everything. And, and like um, the translation I'm, I'm using, it says, I'm going to send fugitives to the nation. Yeah, it says that in this translation as well. And like the and and like 
I, I mean, I like the fact that like the, the, uh, I saw the movie The Fugitive, and for that some reason, like. And like in the summertime, like on Saturdays, usually it's on. Like The Fugitive is just one of those movies that is like consistent. But like, there's this, there's something about like that notion of like having to to run and to like go out, um, like like to uh, fugus, uh, yeah. fugit in Latin is to run. Oh, it's a uh, to flee. So 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 uh, like tempus fugit is time flies. It's a. Uh, it's it's fleeing, and okay. so so we're we're going we're going away out of the core of what is safe and secure, and out into the world, yeah. out all to the distant coastlands. And like, man, if there's anything in the depths of my heart, I would I would wish that for those who have encountered the Lord yeah. to be to, don't be afraid. You don't have to defend anything. Proclaim something, right? Proclaim Jesus Christ. Proclaim the coolest stuff that you know about the faith. Absolutely. The, I mean, the more accurate translation is actually survivors, but I like thinking of it as fugitives. So the survivors from like what what happened, but fugitives in a certain sense. Here, here's why I think fugitives is actually kind of an insight into this. So um, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 2. So, I mean, you, you have basically Isaiah says this. There's going to be this gathering of all the nations. They're all going to see the glory of God. It's going to be in Jerusalem, on Zion, all this stuff. And then you get basically silence. You get the prophets, you get the destruction of Jerusalem, you get the time of the Maccabees, and you get a lot of silence from God. Until when? Really until Luke chapter 2. Remember in Luke chapter 2 when the baby Jesus is brought to the temple Eight at pounds, 40 days old? Six pounds, baby Jesus <laughs> right? gets brought to the temple. And where is he presented? He's presented to the temple, but then he's given to Simeon. Remember? To yeah. Simeon and Anna. And remember what Simeon says? He says, Lord, now lettest thou servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light revealed to the Gentiles for the glory of the people of Israel. That's the answer to Isaiah 66. Um, so I, Simeon, I mean, imagine Simeon is this survivor, this fugitive who's just been kind of waiting, kind of a fugitive. He's under the Roman Empire. You know, he's kind of living on the fringe of society in a certain sense. And now in Jerusalem at the temple on Zion, he's declaring, this is it. Now's the time. I'm holding this baby. This is the answer to everything we've been waiting for since the time of Isaiah. And that's really cool. And Paul then picks that up and he says, all right, then it's time for me to go out from Tarshish and go to all these different places because now I'm a messenger of a fugitive of this new covenant. It's just kind of beautiful. That's really cool. You know that every priest and religious prays that every single night of their life. What? Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, I, the, I do. The, the, the Simeon. Yeah, the Nuke Dimitit is what it's called. Yep. Yeah, I did know that. It's really cool. And it's um, there's a good segue here into Psalm 117, which is, again, I, I think it's the, I think I mentioned it's the shortest psalm. But look at what it says. You, you mentioned it to me, but everybody out there, guess what? The, 117 is the shortest psalm. I think I mentioned it to them, too. Did you? Do you guys know? Did I say that to you? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. So what, I mean, what does it say? Go out to all the world and tell the good news. <laughs> or, hallelujah, or, is the alternative. Dude, okay. If your parish uses the hallelujah rather than the psalm response. But- I mean, this is self-explanatory. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. I mean, again, this is what it's saying is going to happen. This is what Paul does. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples. But I mentioned to you, I had a little insight in this. I was reading a commentary on the Psalms. And the one thing this this guy points out is this Orthodox priest that wrote this book. One thing he mentions is there's there's a tension going on here. And this is a tension. Father Peter and I um, and Matt and some others, we, we had a training day for some of our student leaders about what it means to evangelize, what it means to spread the gospel. 
And one of the things that this author points out about this psalm, there's kind of this tension going on. We're going out to all the nations. We're, we're, we're seeing the Catholic—I mean, what does Catholicos mean? It means universal. There is a whole. So we're going out to all the nations to tell the good news. So there is just the universality of the world that's called to hear the gospel. Yeah. But within that universality, I mean, look at the first reading. It's got all of these individual cities and individual nations. So these nations maintain their individuality. This is even happening at Pentecost, right? We are Medes. We are Cretans. We are people from, you know— Cappadocia and, and Jerusalem and all these places. So there is the oneness, the unit, the 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 Catholicos, the u- universality of the church, and in the midst of that, there is the individualness of these nations. Wow. All of the individual nations are being brought in. Yes, and that's kind of beautiful. A beautiful thing about the Catholic Church. I mean, you can go to different parts of the world. The Catholic Mass is the Catholic Mass, but it will have the flavor of that particular culture because we are unique. We are cultural beings. But we're in this one unity. So what we, one of the things Father Peter was talking about with our students on Monday is how do you bring students into something bigger than them while helping them to maintain their identity in who they are? They mm. individually are a part of something bigger than themselves, yes. which is kind of what one of the things going on in here in this psalm. I thought it was neat. Yeah, absolutely. Affirming the uniqueness and creating a sense of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. In our Lord Jesus, because brothers and sisters... You have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as children. Mm. Do not disdain the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when reproved by him. For when the Lord loves, he disciplines. Yep. He scourges every son he acknowledges. So this is Hebrews, the father's reading. In case you didn't catch the segue. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, you, you, if you wanted to like take this into the wrong direction, you can say, <laughs> I only hurt you because I, I love you. Oh, that's terrible. I know. That's that the, is sort of what you, God is saying, though. Well, but this is the thing is that there's a difference. You know, I only hurt you because I love you is like the excuse of all of every mean bully, abuser, bad boyfriend, girlfriend that you've ever heard of. Right. What the Lord is saying is he's like, he's like everything that's coming to you in your life is on is on point and purpose. Yes. And that if you are willing to accept the the gift of the present moment and to not to shun it, then what you will learn in the midst of this is discipline. Yes, and, absolutely. And then, and, and the, the, in fact, actually, the difficulties that we have in our lives, it's it's actually the Lord saying, "I am totally unwilling, oh young son, young daughter of mine that I love, to leave you where you're at. Yeah, I ain't faking the funk because <laughs> you can't fake the funk." Thus says the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you if you want to put that in context, then I mean, again, what is the first reading all about? It's about the the fact that they are the people of God themselves are actually going to suffer tremendously. Their city will be destroyed. They will be hauled off into exile. Terrible things are actually going to happen. And then you get on the other side this reading from Hebrews reminding us, but it's okay. The, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. When you get discipline, when when there is struggles, when there are hardships, it's not, you know, this this is where it gets kind of tricky. You can't say, you know, okay, this person did a terrible thing, therefore God's going to zap them with a bolt of lightning. Yeah. But there are natural consequences to things that we do, and God allows those natural consequences to take place. I mean, it, it's actually interesting if you look back in the Old Testament, 
you can root this whole thing back to the beginning. I mean, what was Israel called to do and called to be? They were called to be the light to the world, to go out to the nations yep. and teach them who the Lord was. Yes. They failed at that. They didn't do it. And in a lot of ways, they failed. drove the nations further away. Now, guess what? Because of their unfaithfulness, one of the nations whom they actually should have evangelized is now going to haul them off into exile. Whose fault is that? Well, on some level, it's their fault for not doing their job to begin with because there are nations who are lost and they're doing terrible things. So what goes around comes around in a certain sense. Mm. And what's God doing? God is allowing this because yeah. there are repercussions. There are, there are consequences for the things that we do. And that's what a good father does. Sometimes a good father or a good parent allows the consequences to, to set in to teach their children a lesson. I mean, my, I remember my daughter, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, <laughs> Lily just refused for so long to wear jackets. She just would not wear them. And I just got sick of fighting her on this and saying, okay, this is stupid. Fine. Don't wear a jacket. Go out, you know, let's, let's go to church or wherever and don't wear your jacket. And she got really cold and she was miserable. And there was a point as a, as a, as a parents, we had to be like, okay, we're going to accept that consequence because I bet from that point on, she's going to wear a jacket next time. So it's just silly to just keep yelling at her. I mean, there's sometimes, you know, this, that's obviously a different level than what we're talking about here, but there's a reality. One thing about this, this Hebrews passage, though, uh, it, we did, I don't remember if this was last week or maybe the week before. Remember we were talking about the nature of God's wrath? Oh, man, that is like one of those conversations that has like forever changed my life. P.S. <laughs> you put the P.S. in the wrong place. P.S. <laughs> P.S. P.S. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's, that's the idea. What is God's wrath? God's wrath, God's, God's wrath is when he lets you do what he wants, what you want. God's mercy is when he stops you, when he disciplines you, when he when he allows that consequence to set in. Sometimes. When you put the whoop on. When you put the whoop on. But so so this is the this is the situation. This is what's happening. I mean, in a certain sense, Hebrews is reflecting upon the history of Israel, mm. saying, Don't forget, Israel, that God has not abandoned you, even though there has been struggles, because what father does not discipline. But then it ends by saying, so strengthen your drooping hands and the weak knees. Make straight the paths for your feet, that what is lame may not be disjointed but healed. That's almost a word-for-word -word quote from Isaiah Oh, in the beginning of the, uh, the Book of Consolation. So strengthen the weak hands. You know, uh, uh, make straight the paths of the Lord. So all of this is ultimately going back to the message of Isaiah, who's saying there's going to be bad news and there's going to be good news. That's what Isaiah is saying. That's what the psalm is saying. And that's what Hebrews is reminding us of as well. So it's all it's all really tied together. Wow. Yeah, that's good because I was actually wondering because whenever I hear, you know, drooping hands and weak knees, <laughs> for some reason I think of like Paleolithic man. <laughs> they had strong knees. Yeah, they probably did have strong I knees. I assume at least. I don't know. I keep finding my microphone really low down. Yeah, dude, you're, you're, I don't, it's, uh, dude, I want to strengthen your drooping microphone <laughs> is really what I want to do. I can't perceive it actually oh, drooping. Yeah, I can right there. Hold on. Let me help you. That's all right. No, no. I'm... Yay. You strengthened the weak microphone <laughs> dude, and the I... feeble, <laughs> the feeble joints. Dude, that's that awesome. A weird sound. That, you're <laughs> that was like, like, I should probably edit that. Dude, somebody was making fun of how much we talked about editing our podcast the other day. Were they? Yeah, they were like, they were like, wow, you guys really went for it on the editing of the podcast yesterday. You mean in the sense of not editing? Yeah, like they they were like, do you guys actually edit it? And I was like, well, not last time. Not last time. No, I did edit something last time. I don't remember what. It's, my brother complimented me, and he was like, he was like, hey, I want to compliment you. You self edited before you had to edit it out. 
He said you were going to say something inappropriate, weren't you? And you I said like, a lot of inappropriate things last week. No, I didn't. Well, no, you said the same inappropriate thing a number of different times. <laughs> Did you edit that out? The breaking the wind? But that wasn't inappropriate. I was just, I was trying to get to the analogy and I couldn't find the words. <laughs> it was really Dude, funny. I've gotten more, like, dude, people who know me and know the, the they've been like texting me. I've been it getting was, like messages. My mom was like, for real? It was really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was really, really and funny. And it was really funny because I actually got a chance to use the analogy of the Peloton and the flock like all week last week. I forgot week. about the Peloton. Yeah. Yeah, that made sense. All right, let's wrap it up. Luke chapter 13. Luke, Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem with lots of people behind him, like a flock or a peloton. <laughs> what was he doing? Was he sort of in the lead? He was in the lead, dude. So, like, what would, how would you describe his place in the peloton and the flock? Um, I, um, he was, he was the man. He, he, he might have actually been, um, wind breaking. <laughs> nice. Well said. Ah. All right, so there's Jesus passing through. This is one of the the hard sayings of Jesus, right? And someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them. Isn't that funny? He answered them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter it, but none will, but will not be strong enough. He doesn't totally answer the question, does he? He's, it's he kind of bit, avoids it. He's, he's, he's controlling what's being said, I yeah. mean, he, which means that he needs, he needs some sort of exacting answer. Because he's trying to prevent something. Yeah. He's trying to prevent a misinterpretation of what he's saying. So he's actually going to focus. He, they do this in the news a lot. They call this spin. Oh, spin. He's spinning a little bit. He is because he wants to He wants to emphasize yeah. something yeah. that is really important to be taught. Yeah. But th- that does answer the question. It does. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. It's he, He's not going like... There are 144,000 people that will be saved. Otherwise, you will. everybody else will burn. No, they upped that number, didn't you? No, I didn't. Yeah, they changed it. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're better off. Yep. Anyway, um, no, but here, I, I'm reminded again of kind of the same thing. So for many will enter, uh, but they will not be strong enough. He says, after the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then they will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. And he will say, I will. I do not know where you're from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company, and we taught you taught in our streets. And he will say to them again, I do not know where you're from. Depart from me, you, you evil doer, doer, doers. But here's the thing. I'm reminded again of what's going on in the first reading in the psalm. And Hebrews, I guess, talked about it as well. What's going on in the first reading? Well, you have the people of Israel. What's going on in the whole book of Isaiah? You have the people of Israel who have been unfaithful. They have lost their city. They've broken the covenant. They've gone off in exile. At the end of that exile, Isaiah says there will be a remnant who is saved in a certain sense. But there will also be people from all these different nations. And so one of the things I think Jesus is doing, I mean, if you read this in light of the rest of the scriptures, is that there's probably going to be many saved, but it might not be the people that you expect it to be. Mm. So just because Israel is Israel doesn't give them, I mean, this is the problem that Israel was having in the Old Testament. This is why Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the rest are speaking out against them, because they have this mentality that because we're Israel, we're untouchable. We're fine. We're doing great because we're God's people. Guess what? And the point is, no, just being God's people, just as Jesus says, eating and drinking in his company is not enough. You actually can't be evildoers. You actually have to be the people that he wants you to be. And that actually might be people from Tarshish and Lud and Lamach and all the rest of the places, not necessarily Israel. And so Jesus is reminding the people it, it's simply being a part of Israel does not guarantee you a spot at the table. 
there will be many, but it, it'll be hard for them. And again, it's, it's kind of emphasizing this universality. All the nations are going to have this open to them. And there will be people from all the nations flocking to Zion, but every individual is also going to be asked for an account. They're also going to have to be sort of tested. What are the, what's your decision going to be? So all, I mean, this is the whole nature of our faith, right? Salvation is open to all of us. Which is, this is, remember the Pope um, a few months back was really badly interpreted when he said something about atheists and nobody understood what he meant and they've spun it the wrong way. Yeah. And what he was saying is Jesus Christ has offered salvation to everybody, including the atheists, everyone. But the question is, what do we do with that offer? Not everyone will accept it. So I think that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here. Yeah, I, and the history of Israel proves his point. Yes, and I and I uh, and I, that's a historical perspective. I, th- I think about it um, in an analogous way um, with uh, Father Brady. Mm. Um, he's a uh, ha- is doing a, uh, a triathlon. Uh, he hasn't done a triathlon. He was in the triathlon club when he was at CU was as he? a student, and uh, he hasn't done a triathlon since then. And uh, he's doing one in two weeks, and and I think he's trained like twice. <laughs> And, I, and I'm worried. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna like <laughs> support the brother man yeah. as he goes out to do to do it because um, uh, you know I I've been charged with strengthening weak knees and strengthening yeah. hands, <laughs> and I'm gonna try to encourage him. But dude, imagine right now going and running a marathon with no training. No, thank you. Imagine uh, going and and trying to stand before the Lord without having without ever having trying to place your own heart and before the Lord. In the door that you are going to be faced with being able to walk through, are you prepared? Like this is the thing, which is which is why I think I think like a, a daily meditation on trying to understand, like who is God? Like like am, am I gonna am I gonna be um you know a friend who I haven't thought about in thirty years and then I see them? Sure, maybe we might be able to relate about how elementary school was. But the reality is, is, is that if, if I'm, I'm trying to keep updated, I'm trying to keep in, in relationship and, and close to. And so it's, it's a and it's the, it's an arduous journey yeah. to be able to actually follow after the Lord, which does take practicing. Yes. I mean, we, we, we walked around the campus seven times yeah. um, in, in kind of imitation of of uh, the Jericho, the entrance into the promised land, the first city to ask the Lord's blessing and to tear down the, the walls around the hearts of those who are meant to hear him. This was a physical activity, and I'll tell you what, I was like busted up on the first day I walked because I'm like, the lank has, has, has subsided <laughs> slightly <laughs> with lots of heavy whipping cream in my coffee because it's good for you. Yeah. And uh, But this is the thing is that, is that by the last day, like it was it was like something that I don't want to stop doing because like right. I've engaged, I've engaged right. my heart, my soul, my mind, my body, my prayer, the Lord in doing this real actual activity of getting something out into the world um, yeah. and, and, and actually participating in the reality of my life. And I think that that's, because I was I was thinking like why are we imitating Jericho? I mean they're like isn't this just an intellectual operation to where oh, I man. I go and I I just kind of intellectualize my faith and if I think about it hard enough good things happen like the no. secret or something. It's not it at all. It's actually a real existence and you will actually be a fugitive in a new land. You will actually yeah. be somewhere else than is normal and you yes. must engage it and take it into the byways and the highways and the salvation of the Lord is 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 actually a gathering. It's like this is a real thing. Yeah, and as Hebrews reminds us, it's a real thing that is going to droop your hands and make your knees weak. Yes, 
So we need that reminder. I mean, if we didn't, if that wasn't the reality, he wouldn't have had to point that out to us. Yeah, but he does. And I keep on telling people about World War Z. I had a conversation about the book, and like, and World War Z is like this. this it's like testimonials from from humans who survived the the World War against zombies. Oh, I did. I survived that. And uh, and one of the things that it was it, that they keep saying is it was so hard to fight the zombie army because you couldn't dishearten them. Oh. And that the disheartening was actually a huge factor in warfare in all of human history to this to this That's point. True. And so the zombies were so terrible because they just couldn't you couldn't do it. Yeah. And, wow. And they were they weren't centralized. They didn't have leaders. They didn't have these sorts of things to where leaders actually heartened you and lifted you up and got yeah. you rocking and living. And that's a, that's one of those things where it's like you ah. see it, it's like Abraham, Isaiah, Jacob, Jesus. These are are the the leaders in the faith, and that like yeah. when you look to them, you are heartened by their example and their witness. And then right. the, and and it does strengthen you. It's like if you've ever been right. on a hike, you know, like if you've ever been on, like Father John, they used to call him death marches because <laughs> he could motivate like people who were just drooping and sagging to get to places that they never thought they could. Yeah. And and that leadership is. Yeah. like it's like profound where you like hearten up and you go yeah that's awesome that's I wish, good that's a really good analogy i wish you guys could have seen my hands because i was they just were going crazy i was gesticulating <laughs> yes yes he was <laughs> all over the place <laughs> truth all right well friends that's what we got for this week so say a prayer for us so the students all arrive back in boulder and, and uh, say say uh, say a prayer for um, the parents who drop yeah. their kids off because th- like like you can see talk about drooping hands and and yeah, weak seriously. knees they're they're a little f- scared because you know th- there's there's some statistics that a lot of kids lose their faith in, in college and yeah. and they abandon it and and we are doing everything in our power to to help them to to actually have a relationship with the Lord to have an encounter with God with His Church with the other human beings to not just spend their life on Facebook virtualized yeah. Like, dude, it, once your religion turns into Facebook, times is hard. So find us on Facebook. Send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Look for us on Twitter. <laughs> send us an email. Uh, text us. <laughs> Vine us on Vine. <laughs> dude, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. That's, we're just missionaries. We're missionaries <laughs> yes. on, a, on, a, on a digital continent, brother. It's true, man. Absolutely. All right, <laughs> friends, but live a real life. Yeah, keep it real. That's what I mean. See, there we go. That's why I say that all the time. Keep it real. Keep it real. I say that too. Yeah. See? The one in mind. We're keeping it real. Keeping it real. You guys keep it real too. Check in again next week. We will still be here. Not faking any funk. Not faking any funk. And uh, we will see you then. Goodbye. So long, everybody. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. www.thomascenter.org You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.